Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic state of mind, it's 12.30, which means it's time for the bulletin. It doesn't matter if it's an international break, Brian Degnan, because uh, we go out every weekday and we cover every game as well. Sometimes we go out seven days a week. And this week and last week is no different. We will touch on the international football, what it meant for Celtic's players, what it might mean for our preparations uh, for this weekend's game against Motherwell, what are your take? What is your take, Brian, on the international thing? Are we playing too much international football? I think so. Yeah, it's, it's the extra competition's been added in and stuff, and it, it does 
you look, I, I quite like international football. I quite like watching um, the games. I, I like obviously seeing Scotland play, but I, I'm on tender hooks watching them because I'm convinced somebody's going to get a really bad injury. And it, it does get to the point where it, it feels less special because it's it's sort of um, diluted getting. Um, and the fact that, you know, when you live down south, no pub in the country shows uh, shows Scotland games. So I couldn't even get to watch the, the game at a pub last night. I had to watch it in the house. Um, so so that's a factor for me. But no, no, seriously, yeah, I think it's getting a wee bit diluted now. I think, you know, keep it special. Keep the, the World Cup, the Euros, and, and, and that's it. Well, the, the comments I was referring to um, were back on the early part of the week. Uh, Thibaut Courtois, Real Madrid and Belgium goalkeeper, talking about plans to make the Euros and the World Cup um, basically every year. So instead of every two years there being an international competition, there'll be one every single year. I mean, if that kind of thing kicks in, uh, his argument was we don't get a break as a, as a footballer. And you get this argument. I mean, we, we've been seeing it all, all morning this morning. Steve Bruce has arrived again uh, to take training at Newcastle. Uh, you know, the sack is hanging over his head. And I'm looking at it saying, well, come Monday morning, he might not have to go to his work, but he'll have £8 million in the bank. And people do still have that thing about footballers. Stop complaining, you get all this money. But I, I found it really refreshing when these comments were made. We're not robots, he said. We can't keep playing. You don't get a break. Um, that concerns me a bit because I know that there were no Celtic starters last night for Scotland. But over the piece, we've got a lot of international players out there and you just want them to get a break, Brian. You do because it, well, it's not just the fact that the players are the robots and and you do something for players because they're human. They, they know, they're going all the time. But what happens is the, the effect of them being over, um, overused, what that does is it affects their, their, their game, it affects the clubs, it affects teams. And say for Celtic, for example, I, you know, I've mentioned it before about Abada, thinking, you know, I know he's been a wee bit inconsistent, but I think that's because he's playing all the time. And I think that gets to a point where, you know, they're just trudging through and getting through games and they mm-hmm. can't give it the best. It's like we see Tom Rodgick playing two games in a week. It's, it just looks a different player. He's, he's no, he's no good at him. So I think it has a, a new detrimental effect in club level. And the reality is, we've got international players and they're, they're well paid, but there's some international teams that, you know, there's smaller leagues that don't have, you know, the resources. So these players are only that well paid and that they're doing all this work as well. And if they get injured, the club can't afford to replace them and, and so on and so forth. So there's been a lot more considerations, I think, for, for sort of countries that are individually phase about it. Oh, yeah, but again, uh, the dollar always wins, doesn't it, Brian, when it comes to to football? Um, We're keen to get you involved on the comment section. Thank you for joining us on various different platforms. We are going out on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and also on Twitch. Uh, Good afternoon to to Monty. um, And Paul Cockwell comes in to say, Hi, guys, hope all had good weekend. Scotland game and boxing. A great weekend. Don't know if you're a bit of the boxing fans fan, Brian, but some encounters cannot be ignored. So yeah, big shout out from Paul. We're going to be looking at the aftermath of the international break. The biggest concerns uh, for me could be, you know, if a player comes through unscathed, brilliant. But then we've got players like Kyogo and Rogic, the aforementioned Rogic, um, who have travelled thousands of miles, and then you know they're coming back to training tomorrow to prepare for Saturday's game against Mullerwell. 
Um, and I'm wondering, looking at the kind of opportunities and hopefully hitting the ground running after the international break, is this an opportunity? Would it be a wise move to perhaps bench Kyogo for the game against Firth Park and introduce Yakamakis and, and give him the opportunity? Not because Kyogo's not been playing well, Brian, but simply because of the international exertions. Yeah, I think it's a sensible option, isn't it? When you think about it as well, if you put Jay Marcus on, and um, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, but if you put him on and he's no angry, you Kyle off the bench. Now, having that sort of firepower off the bench is something we've not had for, for quite a while. So you've always got that impact. And, you know, the way Miller will play, they are quite a physical side, although they, they, they try and play football. But um, it might be nice to, to throw a wee spanner on because he'll probably be preparing for the assumption that Kyle was going to start. Whereas, no one knows about Jay Marcus, no one, we don't know about him, they don't know about him, so it'd be nice to, to throw it in from a tactical perspective. I'm actually not a huge fan of squad rotation, if I'm honest. I think you should always play your, your sort of best team, unless, of course, when you've got multiple games in the week and then you can, you can switch out a bit then, but rotation for the sake of what I'm not a big fan of, so I'm kind of in split. I think just given the exertions Kyogo's probably had travelling-wise, and I don't know if he played right enough against it, um, against Australia but yeah I, I think it's it good plus as well we just want to see the new striker right you just want to see your new player and see what he's like and see if you got a bit about him and instead of talk about it and analyse it and get excited so yeah I, I would like to see him play uh, whether Kyogo starts or, or not I think more than anything I do want to see more of Yakamakis, Brian I mean we're going to be talking about various other strikers as we go through this conversation um, but on the subject of this you know, we did get a fleeting appearance from him um, against Leverkusen. He looked like a completely different package, which I think, you know, is is useful for Celtic. Last season would have been ideal to have something different uh, up front. We didn't seem to have much options up there. Um, but again, how on earth are we going to get him up to match fitness? I mean, I think it's absurd that we've signed a player who, you know, seven weeks later isn't match fit anyway. But how do we get him? Uh, to that level if we don't give them games. And I think that uh, we, we can't move Hugo. I think that much is clear, Brian. We can't move him to the left. He's far less effective out left. We've seen that against Rangers. Um, we've got to play Hugo through the middle when fit. But I think when we get the opportunity, and I think Saturday is an opportunity, bench him. And he's always a, a tremendous uh, option on the bench. We've been talking about uh, a fair bit about January. Um, and I had a conversation on Twitter, if you call it a conversation. We had a, a bit of a, a back and forth with one of the Axon viewers on Twitter talking about the fact that you know we were sold this idea that we were going through not only a rebuild, Brian, but a restructure. And I think that they go hand in hand. I mean, we're rebuilding the team on the park and we're restructuring the club, apparently, behind the scenes. And it's almost as if that restructure has been put on hold. We haven't heard anything from the club. We've not really heard anything since Dominic Mackay left. Um, we're never going to get the reasons why he left, and I understand that. Um, but in terms of the, the restructure, the reason I'm bringing it up, uh, as many of our uh, viewers might be rolling their eyes, the reason I'm bringing it up is because if we don't restructure, Brian, it's almost as if we're just living from window to window, from hand to I, mouth almost. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. I, I've, I've recently just written an article about this, about the type of structure we should have in place so um, it ties in quite well but this the answer to this question also ties in with the, the, the point about fitness so when people talk about engine structure you know it's no 
necessarily saying, you know, we need to get new people on the board or we need to get this or that. It's about the actual how it affects us on the park. That structure, that background is directly affecting players. If we had proper, you know, sports coaching, I know we've got the guy Anton in, but he's, he's also just starting, Pro, you know, proper top-level fitness conditioning coaches, sports scientists, physiotherapists, you know, all, all those guys in place there, the players would be fitter, which then affects the product on the park, right? If you've got someone like a director of football, sporting director, technical director, the, the name varies, but someone in the role who's in charge of these department heads, who does all that recruitment, what you've got is you've got all these things working in the background to produce the 11 men on the park and produce that product. So it's like a, it's like a, like making a film, right? So you get your actors on set, but if they, you know, the, the producers know there and the directors know there and the camera guys are there and all these other things in the background aren't in place, you can't make a movie. You can have the actors saying the lines, you can put a camera there. It's not the same thing. At the moment, you know, Angie's is the director, the writer, the producer, the, the caterer. He's, he's doing everything to sell it just now. And it has to change. You know, actually, we, I don't know if this has ever happened before, but it's the 13th of October. And we still don't have an official assistant manager, first team coach. Now, I know Kennedy's there, but he's, I don't even know if he's technically an assistant manager or if he's just a coach now. Ange doesn't actually have a backroom team that he's, he's called his own. Mm. That's madness. That is insanity. We've heard nothing for the board. We don't know if we're going to get a director of football. Um, and even if we do that, what seems strange is we're putting the, 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 the cart before the horse because you're going to basically be asking Ange his input on getting a guy in that shares his vision who could sack him. Imagine hiring your own boss. It's, it's, it's insanity. So I've been kind of rambling about the, the, the shambles at Celtic for a while and I know people get fed up hearing it, but it's not about, you know, it directly affects, it directly, directly affects the impact in the park. It just mm-hmm. does. If you support Celtic, you want Celtic to be successful and you want the team to do well. I know people say, oh, just get a manager that can win or, you know, just get a striker that can score goals or defend like all that stuff. And that's so well and good. But there's more goes into it than just putting that there. There's a lot more in. Look at any successful club in Europe just now. Look at uh, Red Bull Salzburg. I know they've got money coming in from Red Bull. But they're not mega rich. They don't spend that much. They just recruit very, very well because they've got a scout network set up. We have vision for the club. And the club's got continuity season upon season upon season. It's got a vision purpose, an identity and a philosophy. And at the moment, Angie's the only person in my mind trying to put that into play at Celtic just now. Well, the thing is, I don't think you should apologise for talking about it because it's massive. You can't talk about the product on the park without looking at what's happening uh, above the football department and and that overarching uh, structure. I mean, we, we spoke well a while back uh, during the, the period where we were hearing about you know, the Fergal Harkin, um, Maresca dream team coming in, you know, but the, the whole reason behind that was there was a synergy between that team. So it wasn't as if you were just cobbling together a team and saying, well, hopefully this works out. And if it doesn't, one or both are going to leave. Uh, we've now got a situation where we were looking to uh, Eddie Howe to come with his entire backroom team. Um, and that, involved a lot of different staff members, but also uh, he was going to be pivotal in appointing the director of football. So it does 
go back to your point, Brian. How can you appoint your boss who can then sack you if things aren't going well? But yeah, it does seem as though it's fractured at this moment in time. And even when we're talking about um, how we're going to line up on Saturday or, or how January is going to go once we dip back into the transfer market, if the structure isn't in place and there's no synergy between the manager and those people making the decisions about the personnel coming in, you're left with a situation where if a player comes in, and even if they are capable, uh, the manager might not find a place for them in the team. And I don't mean that in terms of Postacoglu, because I think what he's done so far is he has definitely utilised the players at his disposal. He has looked at them uh, without prejudice, if you like. It's almost as if nobody's his man and anyone else who was here before, you're not in favour. I mean, he's played Tony Ralston, Brian, which I think is a shining example of the fact that he will utilise whatever is at his disposal, regardless of whether or not he's brought the players in. But when we go into January um, and we go back into the transfer market, I think, you know, historically, January transfer markets haven't been great for Celtic. But one player that we brought in and it didn't work out for him, but he's gone on to prove that he might have been a good option was Patrick Clamalla. And we haven't really been speaking about him. Now, I'm not saying he would have been the answer to all our ails last season. I don't think anything would have sorted out Celtic last season. But what you had there was a situation where a player was brought in, Brian, and he wasn't brought in by the manager, quite clearly, right? I mean, all you need to do is read the comments by the former manager. And we're not going to labour comments made by Neil Lennon. It's all been covered. But it was quite clear that there were certain players at that football club that he didn't play a part in bringing in. So what then happens is the manager doesn't have the full belief in that player, right? And he barely plays for Celtic. But he leaves for a very small profit, in actual fact, he leaves the club. But he goes on and he is contributing and contributing well to his new club. And it begs the question, why didn't we retain his services? Why have we been waiting seven weeks on Yakamakis to come in and get fit? Why are we running at this moment in time um, with a, a couple of strikers? You know, we're actually we're lacking in that department to the point where in January we must go out and buy another striker. And I think this all comes down to the main point that we made at the top of the show, Brian. It comes down to the structure. Because if you've got the structure in place, then none of this is even questioned because you're bringing in players as part of a structure. So the manager and the, the director of football and the director of recruitment are all working in synergy. And these play, these players are brought in and they're being utilised to their full. I don't think we utilise the player like Clamalla. I'm just using him as an example because he's doing pretty well over in the MLS at the moment, Brian. Well, you're right. It's a bigger it's a bigger problem than, than Clamalla. And this is, I think sometimes we, we tend to we sort of project things onto people. So when I, when I talk about Ange, I'm really thinking of his philosophy and I think that's what Celtic's philosophy should be. So sometimes I get defensive about Ange because I'm defensive of that philosophy and that mindset he's got. With Kamala, it's the same, so it's indicative of a bigger problem. So Kamala himself might not set the world alight, but as you say, it's the fact that when you're reflecting on it now, he would have probably fit far better into post the style of play mm-hmm. than a Yeti. You know, it just would have. Now, this is what I mean about structure, right? So indulge me for a second. So say, for example, Ange, or an Ange-like figure, which is director of football. So he says, right, we want Celtic, we want our brand, we want our team, whoever's in charge, whoever the coach is, we want them to play attacking football, you know, really intense. So for that, we need X, Y, and Z players. We need players that are young, fit, that can handle that pace. So even if Ange leaves, even if the manager leaves, 
because that structure's in place and it's the same thing, we're going to find a coach that matches the, the style we want. We're not going to then try and change the whole club to match the coach. So see, when, when Lennon get binned and Kennedy took over... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If we had, if the club had a structure in place and a clear vision, we could have been signing players for new coach coming in because mm-hmm. you wouldn't need to know who the new coach was because yep. you're playing the same way. So if you get young players that are fast, strong, good pass to the ball, play a high-pressing game. You find a coach that accommodates that. So you, you buy these players in and you can, you can start, it doesn't matter who's buying them at that stage, if it's Peter Wall or Dermot Desmond or John Kennedy or Gavin Stratton or the canteen lady, it doesn't make any difference because if they're buying players that fit the structure and fit the system, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Because when they come in, he's got a squad of excellent 22 players, 23 players, who all can play the type of football that Celtic play. Mm-hmm. For viewers that might think I'm some absolute nonsense, Google Borussia Dortmund. So Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, he didn't, you know, when he took over at Dortmund, that style of football was in place. That strategy was all in place. One of his best signings was Sadio Mane. Where did he come from? Red Bull Salzburg. Google them. They've got the exact same structure in place. A guy we spoke about who was linked to Man United is linked to Newcastle, Ralph Ranić. Mm. His entire footballing philosophy, James German football, transformed it because whoever was coming in, whether it was Thomas Tuchel Dortmund or Klopp or whoever, they all played a certain brand of football. The coach would just basically to motivate them, inform them, change tactics during a game, what a, what a first-team coach does or a manager does. But he didn't worry about coming in. But what we've got at Celtic just now, say for example, Ange goes tomorrow, right? Goff, Caput, sacked, and Steve Clark comes in. You couldn't get more opposing football and philosophies. So that would mean the work that Ange has done so far would have to all get thrown out. You have to go back and start again with a manager who's a completely different philosophy and yep. completely different style of play, and he won't like the same players either. And the players up there make them fit that system. So you're back to square one again in January. It's insanity what we're doing just now. See, the thing, Brian, the way that you've described it there, you've actually brought up a name uh, that I had listed uh, that I was going to bring up in Ralph Ranić um, because, you know, we're always keen to get guests on. We've had literally hundreds of guests on a Celtic state of mind over the years uh, from the world of football, music, uh, business, politics, etc., etc. A lot of the, the shows with those particular guests preceded the Axon Bulletin. So, check them all out on the YouTube. But there's been some really interesting insight. And I did approach Ralph Ranić for an interview and he responded uh, and politely declined. That's fine. I can take a knockback from time to time, Brian. Uh, But he did decline. But it was to talk about his football philosophy. Now, if a club has the structure in place, you are employing a manager to fit your structure. You're not employing a manager and then everything else has to fit his ideals. And I think we've kind of suffered just in recent history from that. So we are ticking along and Neil Lennon leaves first time round and we are, you know, we appoint Ronnie Dyla. Ronnie Dyla's got his own philosophy, his own style of play and undoubtedly certain players within the club didn't fit that, didn't fit that identity. 
Um, and then you've got that transitional period. By the time some of them transition and some of them leave, Ronnie Dyla himself leaves, and we bring in another manager with a completely different philosophy, ideology, style of play. And so it begins again. At the point that Brennan Rodgers came in, though, I think that was the opportunity for us to completely restructure the club so that from top to bottom, this this football ideology, the philosophy, the style of play was implemented at every single level. And I'm talking from first team through the Colts team down to the youth teams so that there was there was this pathway into the first team. And I think that was the best the best possible time to do it was when Brennan Rodgers was in charge. Um, and yeah, someone has to hit the Brennan Rodgers gong because apparently we need to shut up about Brennan Rodgers and shut up about Neil Lennon. But some of the issues that we've got, Brian, um, actually precede this season and last. I mean, they've been in the works for a long time and we're still struggling to turn that massive vessel round um, and get it back on track. Now, Ange Postacoglu comes in and again, he's got a completely different kind of vision for the club. So I think we need to get to the point where the vision is the club's vision and everybody that you bring in matches that vision, be that a director of football, a manager, a right back, it doesn't matter. You need to match the vision of the club and I don't think we've got that yet. It's fine saying, ah, oh, we want to play entertaining football. But what, I mean, to get to that point, there's a lot more layers you need to get through to produce entertaining football. And then you start putting the people in place. And it's unfortunate that the start of that restructure was... Um, by replacing the CEO and replacing Peter Lowell with Dominic Mackay. That's not worked out and we're in a bit of limbo at the moment. I think the silence from the club is deafening just now, Brian. And it's very, you know, for me um, on a Celtic state of mind, and yeah, this is the first time I've appeared this week, by the way, not because I'm lazy, just because obviously I want other people to have a voice on the show and I'll try and limit my Axon Bulletin appearances to one a week. Uh, but I am in the background listening and looking at comments, etc. Uh, the reason I'm doing it today, incidentally, Brian, is because I will be away tomorrow. I will be crossing the border and going down to London. So we'll be talking about that a wee bit later in the show as well. But in doing so, and in, in having this platform that we've built up over a period of years, obviously we were then um, getting access into club pressers, etc. And what we hoped would happen is that we would have more access to ask this type of question. What's happening with the structure? What's happening with the director of football and the head of recruitment, etc., etc.? But we haven't really had that. So we got the introductory uh, event. I don't know if we call it uh, memorable or infamous, but uh, the one that everybody can remember, certainly, uh, Don McKay and Ange Postacoglu. And you kind of thought, well, this would be great. I mean, even every six months, if you could get access to the CEO and ask them these hard-hitting questions that we are seeing day in, day out on the comments field that go beyond the kind of what we're watching on the football park. But it seems to have gone all a bit quiet. And that's a wee bit disappointing. But I think that comes down to the fact that at the moment, we have a bit of a rudderless ship, Brian. Yeah, it's very unusual what's happening just now because we... And it's not not to be negative about the club, but it's just it's it's concerning because we don't know. I mean, the club say to us, look, well, these are the things we're going to try and implement over the next eighteen months, and laid it out. It says, rest assured, we're working in the background. This is what we want to try and get to. This is the point we want to get to. Your support's always, you know, appreciated. That's it. Do you know what I mean? They could they could record this and make that statement out and release it. You would go, okay, I see where we're going. That it's the radio silence is a concern for me. And I think the reason I, I get no wound up, but the reason I'm quite passionate about this a change in mentality is because I think Celtic's a club of unlimited 
potential. I yeah. think that I think if you look at the you look at the teams and people talk about budgets, but budget aside, like there's teams that are, are outstripping us in terms of how they, they go about their business. Now look at Brentford. Brentford were mocked, I remember, years ago because um basically they were using analytics to pick their players. Yeah. And then this sort of idea of we'll pick a certain type of player, you know, and that'll be it and they'll fit into a certain mould. And then look at them now, they're absolutely you know, they're doing really, really well in the, the Premier League. Because they've had that foresight now. Brentford and Celtic, even if they take the English League money out of it, in terms of how they went about their business, they've been incredibly profitable, incredibly smart, and incredibly successful. Can you imagine applying that but to Celtic with the, the worldwide fan base, the branding opportunities, the, the access to European competition. If you could just implement a real savvy structure. And we, we, I remember before, I think, I don't know if it was LOL, so I kind of kept it that, but somebody was talking about breaking us like, like Ajax, essentially, where we, we get the best young players around, bring them through the system, sell them on at 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. We've not done that. What we've done is we've bought externally and sold mm-hmm. them on for profit. Mm-hmm. We've not developed anyone, and that comes back to the structure, right? Just to, just to, to, to ring that bell, because... If you had younger players, and I think we're going to talk about long players later, but if you had players, you know, from under 12s playing the passing game, all about technique, all about pace, all about fitness, and that mentality went through the team. If you had an injury crisis like the one we're having, or the one we had recently, you could dip straight into your reserves, straight into one of these younger guys and put them right in the first team because they play the same system the same way. It's astonishing to me. You mentioned Patrick Kamal earlier. It's astonishing to me we didn't have a reserve striker to call on. Mm. Or a, 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 a 17-year-old striker. Like a rent, look, wee man, here's your chance. Like a, a Simon Donnelly of old to come off the bench. There you go, wee man, a virtual. Guys like that. It's insane that a club of Celtic size for me doesn't have a, a, a go-to you know, player they can just bring for the youth. Because if they were all playing the same way, the same thing, it wouldn't matter. You just put them straight in and give them their chance. That's the way forward-thinking clubs work. And, and as I say... We we are, we're a great club, you know, but it's not a very well-run one. And I know we've had success domestically, but we've got to get out of that mentality. I just think it's about, you know, this season and this season alone. It's, it's, it's about what happens where we're going to be in 10 seasons time. See, the, the, the thing is, it all feeds in to the, the big melting pot of, of discussion. So we've started off talking about the structure of the club. But you're absolutely right. When you're talking about uh, what are the visions or what is the vision of Celtic Football Club, if you read the last statement from the annual accounts, it would appear that what we want to do is we want to bring in players and make money off them. And we're good at that. Um, But the point you make there, how many of them are we rearing through our own system? Well, it's almost one a generation now. I mean, yeah, Kieran Tierney was that player. And we know that he obviously was sold for a massive amount of cash. Before that was probably McGeady. Maloney came in and we sold him. Um, you could maybe accumulate several others like McManus and Craig Beattie and add all the, the combined amounts up to try and justify that the academy system is you know, bearing fruit in that respect. But I don't think it is, especially when you look at the way that we did it in the 60s, the 70s and the 80s. There was a dry period. There was a lull in the 90s, uh, which seemed to coincide with Celtic's lack of any kind of um, identity or direction at that time as well, Brian. But for generations before that, in fact, go further back to the 1950s. And, you know, Bobby Collins and Willie Fernie, and these people were all being sold for big, big profits. We were rearing these players and we did it for a long, long time. Every now and again, we'll do it to try and justify that the system's working. And Kieran Tierney 
for example, I'd have rather kept Kieran Tierney and built the team around them. But you're absolutely right. The, the whole thing feeds in, and it's a discussion we've had before, particularly for a, a striker, whereby we haven't been able to, for some time, call upon somebody who's tearing it up, you know, with the coach team or with uh, one of the, the youth teams who's scoring goals for fun. Used to do it all the time, bring them into the first team. We had an absolute procession of strikers that we did that with. We've not done it for a long time. And that means that the structure is is not working. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. You're talking about a different kind of approach, a different vision. And that begs the question, in order to get it, Brian, do we need change at the top? And I know that uh, the guys touched on this on Monday. This was on the back of comments made, and I think an article written by Roger Mitchell. And again, go into the back catalogue on the YouTube channel because we interviewed Roger Mitchell, I think, about a year and a half ago. It's on the channel. And I think that he divides opinion. But I always find what Roger Mitchell says very interesting in respect of Scottish football as a whole, but also in, in regards to Celtic. And he's a Celtic fan. You know, he doesn't hide that. He is a Celtic fan. And he was talking about the vision and the direction of the club. Um, people instantly, because such is the nature of social media, Brian, were on top of him saying, well, you didn't have the money to, to kind of do this. Well, you, you can have the money, but you also need to have the vision. Dermot Desmond's got the money. Does he have the vision uh, to implement such systems that would actually mean that we were looking towards maybe success outside of domestic football. Um, and the one suggestion I always keep going back to, someone who has the passion for Celtic and the knowledge of being a Celtic supporter, but also has that that backing and would uh, offer some new ideas and a new approach. And I've said it before, um, and I think it's Willie Hockey. I think he is the, the man who is um, built for a, a new era at Celtic. Do you think that because fans like you and I and the people who I'm going to be bringing into the comments section um, are able now, a lot easier, to communicate and share ideas. Uh, and I, I personally, I can speak from a personal perspective, I feel a lot uh, more informed about such dealings at Celtic because of this, because of platforms like uh, A Celtic State of Mind and others, right back to the fanzine days, I always give a shout out to Not The View because back in the 80s and 90s, I knew what was going wrong simply because of that fanzine and because of what was written in that fanzine. And that's why I was getting behind Save Ourselves and Celts for Change and, and the fan movement and eventually Fergus McCann. I'm not saying that we are as powerful as a voice as the street movements back in the 80s and the 90s, but what we can be is we can be informed through speaking to other people on this channel and taking uh, on board what's happening in the comments section, Brian. And I think that, you know, I keep going back to the point that we might be at the very early stages of revolution at Celtic. There may well be changes. And I go back to the 80s and the 90s, and I'm I'm not comparing per se uh, that era with this because we were in a shambolic state for different reasons back then. Um, we are a very cash-rich club and a very successful club now, but I think a lot of fans still want change, Brian. Um, and I remember looking at the the kind of roots of that change being in about 8078. That's the whole reason not the view was set up. It didn't happen until 1994, though. And I just, I'm looking at the situation that we're in at the moment. And it's not because we've simply lost a league title and we've lost 10 in a row. It's because there are inherent issues at Celtic Football Club behind the scenes. Do you think we're at that stage? We're at the roots of some kind of movement in the next five years? It depends. So I think that I think we need it. I just don't know it's going to happen. 
I think, you know, if you look at any business, right, any businesses change often. So CEOs are changed maybe for four or five years. Most big companies, CEOs change all the time. And, you know, in terms of things on the board and stuff like that and, and changing CEOs and changing people in these positions, the reason it's it's pertinent is because you, you need diversity at these levels. And I don't just mean racial diversity or gender diversity. It's diversity of thought, diversity of tactic, of strategy. At the moment, what we've had for the, the past while, and, and this is why I don't think it will change, is you've got Dermot Desmond who's put money into Celtic. So then you've got a CEO who's very strong, very powerful, very confident, that says to him, right, Dermot, we can, I can find a way to get money back into the club, keep his cash rich, keep his competing. Will you allow me to do that? Yes, of course. Boom. He puts these people in place that facilitate him doing that, and then the rest has been history, right, because Celtic have been successful domestically uh, until recently, and we've been, you know, used to it yourself, we're, we're cash rich, we're doing well financially. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. So I understand from their perspective why they'd be hesitant to change it. And we will never know. I think that's why Don McKay didn't fit. Because you've got a bunch of people on the board for a long time. You've got a guy that's CEO for many years who had a way of working. And if you're used to that and you're at the top level and you're making money and your business model's you know, it's still working, you're still, you know, making money, you're still successful. And some new guy can rock the boat and change things and maybe let you go arrange things. Are you going to go, yeah, that's fine, let's change everything and, and try a new tact? No. You're a football person, like us, like everyone watching. Whether you agree with our sentiments, and I say our as in you and I, Paul, not Axel, it's a collective. If you agree with those sentiments, you want those changes. But if you're a businessman and you're at a high level, and you're well paid, and you're comfortable, and things are taking along nicely. Are they prepared to rock the boat and change things? For me, I don't think they will. I think it takes something really seismic for them to have a, a big, you know, power shift at the, the highest levels of the club in terms of board and uh, like guys like Dermot Desmond. But this is where it's maddening because they could they could stay that way and just get a football man in. It's like a, a sporting director or whatever. And they run the football club other way, as long as it's still profitable, they run that and it benefits the fans and it benefits the club and it benefits the older business mode. And then the more successful you're in club, the more money you're making, over time they'll drift off anyway and retire and move on. Mm-hmm. And it'll organically change. So there is a, a I don't want to say an easy fix, a simple fix. It won't be easy, it'll take time. And But if they just change fundamentally a couple of things to how they approach their business, they could please everybody. But at the moment they're pleasing themselves. And because the Celtic fan base is so loyal, 
we're, you know, we're going to always enjoy the product. It's like McDonald's, isn't it? You're always going to eat McDonald's. It doesn't matter who's in charge. You know, if, if suddenly you get a, a portion of fries that size as opposed to that size, you still go and pay the money because you like McDonald's. We used to go and watch Celtic because we love Celtic and we'll always cheer them on and we'll support them. So it doesn't really matter for the operator zones as long as we're doing it. I'm not suggesting we all go and strike and don't go to games. I'm not suggesting that for a second. My point is I just don't see, from their perspective, why they would feel the need to change. Although from our perspective, we certainly see the need for change. Now you're, I think the biggest um, learning point from the Dominic Mackay experiment stroke project stroke era actually you know, suggests that they are very resistant to that kind of change. And that's the biggest worry for me. Um, as I say, always keen to bring the comments up. First one, Paddy Lavery. Give a shout out to my stepfather, Hugh Cameron, ex-Kelly player, but a huge Celtic fan. Paddy, come back into the comments and tell me, was this the same Hugh Cameron? that also played for Air United alongside the late, great Johnny Doyle. I think that was after his Kilmarnock career. Let me know, um, because he would have been playing alongside um, a couple of excels in that team, because Joe Felipe also played. And Joe is a Celtic season ticket holder and a huge Celtic fan also. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section about where Celtic are going, uh, the direction. I think that Jim Orr speaks so well about it, because he was you know, so involved and immersed in the Save Our Celts movement, um, which preceded um, Celts for Change, um, which obviously worked hand in hand with Fergus McCann. And he spoke about the fact that, like you just said there, Brian, it was so hard to try and get Celtic fans um, on board, even back then when it was pretty clear that we were directionless because you've got such a love for the club. We don't see it as a product. We don't look at Celtic. Celtic's not a fashion accessory. You know, it doesn't come in and out of fashion. And I think when we're talking about the ownership of Celtic, it is, it's prevalent in football just now because of everything that's happening at Newcastle. I mentioned Steve Bruce earlier on and the fact that he's maybe facing removal from his position. The reason for that is because they brought in new owners. I've had a, a, quite a few really good discussions with Kevin Graham probably a wee bit earlier than people would have expected, about a change of ownership at Celtic. And Kevin always raised uh, the question, uh, or even would some pe people call it a dilemma? Some people probably wouldn't, um, regarding where the money comes from. Imagine this big takeover happened and where the money would come from. Would it actually uh, concern enough uh, fans? Well, you look at what happened last week in Newcastle and you look at the reaction of a great number of Newcastle fans just so happy that Mike Ashley's out and there's a takeover and we're now this rich club. They don't really care where the money comes from, a lot of them, Brian. Yeah, and that's the... You know, it's one of the things we say that I find interesting and as much as I've been sort of... Well, I, think, I, mean, I don't have been overly critical of the board. I think they need to change the direction, but they've also been successful. But one of the things that may be to the credit is the fact we've never had you know, renamed the stadium, you know, the, the Red Bull, Parkhead, Celtic Arena. And, you know, we've not had this influx of cash into the club. And I, I, I'm very surprised whether these teams or the these big consortiums has not tried to, to buy over Celtic. Maybe they have in the past and they've just been rebuffed. But, you know, I, I think the people that run Celtic have got the best interests of Celtic at heart. They want to be successful. I just don't think they're doing it the right way. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's a such and goes, ha, 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 hope you lose the league again. You know, I think he, he, he passed it to Celtic and he loves it. Of course he does. But it doesn't mean, you know, he can be blinkered as well and, and you know, be satisfied doing things a certain way. And I'm, I'm 
maybe some big consortium has come out and find bias. You know, I don't fancy being part of the city group. You know, I like Celtic where we are. I like our roots. I like how we go about our business. Just sort of tying in this, you talk about the guys coming or the, the people coming in buying Newcastle. Remember mm-hmm. when Man City had taken over and, and they, they, they just went nuts, spent loads of money and didn't yeah. really success at first? It, it didn't really work. And Some might say that's because Mark Hughes was in charge. I disagree. No, you, your pal Mark Hughes, the one who used to be agent. Um, but one of the big changes they did was when they got the guy who was Pep Guardiola's boss, a sporting director at Barcelona, mm-hmm. who's still there just now. When they got him in at first, what did he do? He changed completely the dynamic of the club and they've been really successful since. It's like these things we keep harking back to. And I, I'll keep doing it because I think it's important. You know, you know how Man City play. You know how Dortmund play. You know how yeah. Liverpool play. Yeah. You know how... You know that's, the, that's the philosophy that's inbuilt, absolutely. So when these people come in to buy Newcastle or when they come in to buy Man City or whoever they come in to buy, they're smart enough people to go, right, there's the money, but we need to make sure there's an infrastructure in place mm-hmm. that's going to have long-term sustainability. Because you don't make the amount of money they've made by being silly, right? And take that back to Celtic, the current board... They've been successful as well, but the way their business model works is what's ultimately no taking us forward. It's sustainable. So this could we could be having this conversation in 20 years' time, and we could still be, you know, cash rich, we could still be doing functioning well as a business. But it's a club, it's a team, it's a footballing side, which is what we, we are, what we love. Are we moving forward until there's a change in thought? We're not going to. And it doesn't necessarily... Look, I'd, n- I'd, I'd, I'd never have to say Celtic board again in my entire life. I'd be delighted. I'd be, del- I'd be over the moon to never worry about who's in charge or what's going on behind the scenes if things just function smoothly mm-hmm. so that the, 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 the product we see in the park, you know, that's what you're invested in, good and bad. If it, if it wasn't so... If I wasn't so concerned about the state of the club behind the scenes, I, you know, I want to I wanted not be able to bother about it. It's just I don't see when that's going to happen. See the thing though, Brian, I, I don't think you should ever make any apology uh, for shining a light on deficiencies at the club. Um, be that we, we need another right back or, you know what, at the very highest echelons of the club, there needs to be change. I don't think that there should be any apology for that because Celtic fans were at the forefront of that back in the 80s and 90s and the, the club were saved. Um, if you don't do it, if you bury your head in the sand and just want more players and more buys and just talk about what's happening on the park, then as a football fan, don't be surprised when the club crumbles you know, around about you because that's happened in the past. We know um, who I'm talking about. Now, Alfred comes in. Welcome back, Alfred. You are a regular contributor and uh, we do appreciate it. The models are out there. We should follow them if it is good for the club. I agree with Brian. The models are out there and there's nothing wrong with seeing something that's successful and then trying to implement it. And I think not just at Celtic, but um, Scottish football as a whole, Brian, we've been talking for years about how the, the German structure works and how healthy German football is. When are we going to start actually implementing some of those methods into Scottish football? We don't seem to do it. Brian Watt comes in. Welcome to the show, Brian. And I think that's is that Andy Tom. My eyesight's not the best. I think that's Andy Tom on your avatar. Uh, Don McKay mentioned about looking at models such as Brentford. Who knows what's going on now? This is the problem. The, de- the, the silence at the moment is deafening. 
in relation to where the club is headed, uh, to the point where we just we're at that stage where we just want another win against Motherwell on Saturday. We're looking ahead uh, to European football next week, and then you know we've got one eye on January and the transfers that might come in as well. We'll talk all about that as well, Brian. But let me um, go down a wee tangent for a moment. I mentioned earlier that uh, tomorrow me and some of the other Axom comrades are going down to, to London. The reason we're going down there is because uh, so many of you tune in uh, to Axom and you've put us on the map, basically. Uh, and as a result of that, we've been nominated for a trio or a treble, as we used to like to call it, Brian, of awards down at the Football Content Awards. Now, um, they're not alternative awards, you know, you could be nominated as a football club. I think Celtic are nominated, actually, uh, this year. Uh, but we are nominated for three, uh, which is absolutely already a great you know, achievement as far as I'm concerned. But as I say, it's because of the people tuning in, getting involved in our broadcasts and supporting the channel as much as you possibly can. That's allowing us to go down there and hopefully um, all the hours that we spend talking about Celtic um, will be vindicated with uh, our appearance tomorrow at the awards ceremony tomorrow night. Not sure where it's taking place, but it's all booked. I'll just turn up, obviously, and get, you know, I've got my ticket. I just haven't had a time to look at it. But it's down in London somewhere. Um, and there's one of the club categories where we're up against like AC Milan and Barcelona. So uh, we're like an underdog, Brian. Celtic love to be an underdog. And uh, hopefully we can bring an award back. It would be exceedingly pleasing uh, and satisfying if we were to bring back the best charitable campaign, uh, you know, harking back to December, where um, everybody, pulled together uh, to raise almost 27 grand for uh, vulnerable groups of people back at Christmas time. And by the way, watch this space because once we get back up the road, we will be announcing this year's charity drive as well. There will be another charity drive uh, on a Celtic state of mind. As I say, Brian, once you um, get some momentum and you get like-minded people, people of a Celtic state of mind on the channel and you grow it to the point where we are, um, you know, going out to a great number of people every single day, then I think it's your responsibility to then utilise that and pull everything together. And it's just once a year that we do it and, you know, we hopefully will raise another five-figure sum for charity or charities uh, leading up to this Christmas as well. So wish us luck and uh, I'll try and, you know, follow our progress on the train all the way down uh, and uh, on the night itself. Uh, so I won't be on tomorrow, but you will be seeing for the first time ever a new host It'll be the first time that he or she will be hosting a Celtic State of Mind. And you will also see a brand new contributor as well tomorrow um, standing in for myself and JP Mason, uh, who won't be appearing. So I'll tell you all about it when I'm back. I might even pop my head on on Friday. I'll certainly be back on Saturday for the game. So let's talk about the game a wee bit. Motherwell. I never ever go into these fixtures, Brian, at the best of times, thinking oh, that's a certainty. Um, you know, I'm, I'm never... Um, so remiss of any team in the, in the Scottish League. I've seen us going to just about every venue and struggling uh, in the past. But Motherwell are on a good bit of form. You know, they, for me, went under a, a kind of transformation under Stephen Robinson. Uh, they became a very handy outfit year on year. And I felt that he was operating um, prior to leaving the club. I think he's at Morecambe now, whereby he was building teams for them to be dismantled and he was building teams again. But I think you know, that runs its course eventually. I think the bounce, the manager bounce himself, the, the manager himself, it runs a course with them and they can no longer do that. So every time he was able to find a player or a couple of players, they were getting sold 
to keep obviously uh, the club ticking along. I think it's a very well run club. I think uh, Alan Burrows has got a lot of fans in Scottish football. There's a food bank uh, collection before the game that I know Celtic fans uh, will be all over. But they're doing well at this moment in time. They're above Celtic in the league, Brian. Um, and the big question is, how do we approach the game? Do you think that with the international games in mind, there might be some changes to personnel on Saturday? Possibly. I think, you know, you also don't know what condition the players are coming back in. I would, I would like us to play the same team we played against Aberdeen because I thought, you know, I thought Turnbull played better having McGregor next to him. Mm-hmm. I thought we looked a bit more solid in midfield we, we, we beat on, which is something I didn't think I'd be saying at the start of the season. Um, but I think he did, you know, he gives a bit of physical presence and, and he allows uh, McGregor more forward. Uh, I'd like the front three to stay the same, probably, unless Pugo's shattered. Um, I think him, Jota and Abada together are, are a real headache for, for teams. And the thing is, Mother have been playing decent football, so that should, in theory, suit us because they'll, they'll have a goal. And again, I'm keep the, the, the back, well, again, depending on fitness, um, I think I would start Juranovic if he was fit. Um, probably left back. And then you've got Montgomery can call off and get a wee spark off the bench. Um, so you may see some changes, but I would probably keep it much the same. Because what you want is you just want the, the momentum to continue now. Yes. And let's see that. It's, it sounds weirdly perverse to say, but the fact that we're, we're so inconsistent now almost makes it a bit more exciting getting into the game because you're more nervous about it. Because normally, if you're if you're smashing teams every week, you sort of think, yeah, we've got a good win again. But there's that sort of, there's an uncertainty of what Celtic are going to appear just now, which is just good. It's no good for the nerves. It's no good for you know the club also the way we're sitting at the table. But it does make me excited because I'm I want to see. I'm curious to see the lineup. I'm curious to see how we perform. I'm desperate for us to get a win. You know, it's no something we take for granted. And I almost feel like every the past few games, every game is that old football cliche. It feels like a cup final. Mm. Yeah, every game starts to feel like a must win. So, you know, if you're going to put a positive spin on it, that's really exciting. And I'm, I'm, I'm so up for the game. It's not there. I can't wait. Um, and I think I think we'll do it. But it's really important we, we, we do it, not just for the team, but to keep that momentum. Because what you don't want after getting a bit of momentum, is that break mm-hmm. to, to hit? Because if, you know, God forbid, we drop points again, then there's the, the more questions, more pressure. But as the players start to get a bit of momentum now, we've got a, a clear on it thing for a wee while. Hopefully injury free, most of the squad for the first time under Postacoglu. And he said about, you know, an, an extra couple of weeks of just intense training with them on the, the training part. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all signs are pointing in, in the right direction. I just hope that direction of travel um, gets fulfilled. No, I think it's a fair point. And you've made it a few times on previous shows whereby you want to judge Ange Postacoglu when he's firing on all cylinders, Brian, and he's got a full complement of players. He's not had that. I mean, we've got some long-term absentees in, in Julian, um, James Forrest, of course, we Dembele, um, who had, you know, That's been considered. Yeah, he's been considered as part of the first team squad again after last season. Um, so it's the marketers report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. 
the best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And Mickey Johnson, of course, as well. So to get any of these players back is going to be a bonus to Celtic. But one slight concern I've got, and again, is it uh, succession planning? Probably, because we're not great at that. Um, Scott Brown leaves Celtic. And I, at the time, said that because of the period of transition, you're, you're, you're losing the CEO, so you're losing the head of a department there. You're losing Neil Lennon who's ahead at the football club, um, and to lose a captain. I just felt it was a bridge too far to lose those three pivotal heads of departments, almost, if you like, from the football club. Um, but he, he's gone, and, th- and that's happened. But one thing that I would say is, I don't think we're clear on who is playing that number six role now. I mean, what is clear is that when it's utilised properly, it gives Callum McGregor the freedom um, to become more of an offensive uh, issue for the opposition and I think he plays better in that role anyway but we need to have I think a clear idea of who fits that that position now against Aberdeen hard fought win up at Putaudry near Beaton I feel played well enough in that position right I mean we could strip back his performance and say well you know he should have won the header um, that led to the, the Aberdeen goal he should have scored the header of his own but I just think generally he played fairly well in that position. I think that if you were to look at his game as a whole, um, and going back to what you said before, don't think about it too much. Does that mean for you, beat on at the moment, your first choice number six? And if so, where does it leave McCarthy and Sorrow at this moment in time? Well, what's interesting about the, the number six position, and it, it ties into some of the, the criticisms of Ange. Some of the criticisms have been that, oh, he's too stubborn to change, he only knows one way. But, but near beat on, is a very different number six for the number six that Cal McGregor is, right? And I think the Cal McGregor in that role suits the system better. Mm-hmm. But because, you know, we don't have another box-to-box midfielder, you know, Beaton, it's not as much what he provides to the, as a player what he gives to the team, it's what he allows other players to give to the team. I think McCarthy's probably the question mark, because you would assume that, He's more mobile than Beaton. He's more, you know, he's played at a higher level. He's a bit more experienced. He should be the starter. It really should be McCarthy, McGregor, Turnbull as your midfield three. I would wager. Um, whether that's fitness, injuries, attitudes, I, I don't know. For some reason, he's not been playing that. So for the moment, until he's able to fulfil that role, it will be Beaton. But I fully suspect, you know, I think. I don't know. If it was, I don't want to misquote him, but maybe Lawrence saying that he suspects he expects us to buy another defensive mid in January. I actually don't. I think we'll buy another attack, a board box to box, to allow McGregor to drift back into that deeper role. Because I think that's the way it facilitates the, the team better. And before the moment, yeah, Beaton probably has to start. I don't imagine seeing that couple of Beaton has to start. Uh, even even at the beginning of the season after Midtjylland, you know, I th- there was plenty of Celtic fans who didn't want to see Beaton back in a Celtic jersey after the way he performed um, in that particular game. You're talking about 
box to box midfielder, and that's what Liam Shaw's been described as. You know, and we've not we've not seen him in a competitive game, uh, which is a wee bit disappointing because again, you want to see your full complement, you want to see all your different options that you that you have. But we're at that stage at the moment where you know, once you start getting that momentum, you don't want to tinker with the team. You just want to get the wins. Um, we can't be too experimental, particularly against a, a side who's very strong at home. Uh, we can't be too experimental against Motherwell uh, because, you know, that might backfire. You, you've basically got to play your, your strongest side every single week. Um, just going back to one of the previous discussions, Will McMillan points out that we don't channel into the fan bases elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Australia and most other countries, including next door now. I do get the issues with, with travel, particularly where, you know, we, we've just spoken at the beginning of the show, Brian, about there being no real break. Um, and in particular with the, the early Champions League games, it's difficult to, to go anywhere that's of distance. But I mean, in terms of Ireland, I think that we should be visiting Ireland every single year. Uh, you know, without exception, we should be sending a Celtic team to represent Celtic in Ireland every single pre-season. I mean, without doubt. And we should be making efforts and not just for the glam and the glitz of a, a big um, payday like we did against Real Madrid that time in, uh, in the States we should always be uh, making efforts to tap into our American and our Australian fan bases um, and the club should find a way of doing it you know, because it gets to that point where it's all fair and well selling yourself as this massive brand worldwide but you've got to furnish that global fan base Brian, you've got to engage with them and, and we keep talking about this on Axom in relation to the membership scheme you know, you might not be it might not be possible for you to be a season ticket holder simply by default of geography, uh, but you might be a passionate Celtic supporter nonetheless. How can you pay in apart from buying merchandise online? Well, become a member of the club, and there definitely needs to be a membership scheme where you can be part of the club, um, even if you can't buy a season ticket. So I would love to see uh, developments with that. And of course, on the point of Australia, we do have uh, Jared from time to time on Axon from Celts Down Under. He comes on and gives us that perspective as well. Um, but moving on to the, the game then at the weekend, would you be quite happy then if we're going to have the same approach with a, a scrappy 2-1 win, Brian, coming home from Fur Park with a 2-1 victory? Yeah, I mean, ideally you want to, you know, you always want to play good football and good attacking football, obviously, but you know, you want the, the three points and you want to keep that momentum going. Um, and I think that the more we, we get used to playing a certain way, the more comfortable we get, we get the players to fit it, then the wins will come anyway. I think, you know, a lot was made about, I think it was, I think it was Andrew himself who said he would rather, you know, or no, it was Ed Jota, I think, was saying he, the manager just wants the players to perform, he doesn't focus on the wins. Mm. But I think one follows the other, right? If you go out and you're playing really, really well, chances are you win. You know, and I think Al Morrison, who did a brilliant job on uh, Friday, went through the XGs and stuff like that. You can see that the performance level was there. See, just on the, uh, just a quick thought popped into my, my wee peanut brain there. See, for tuning into other markets like Australia and stuff like that, the membership thing would be great, right? You can almost have, a, I think it was Russell who pitched it, like a kind of a kinda Netflix style Celtic TV package where you can watch the library of games. But, how easy would it be for, you know, when you say the games are on Celtic TV, just hire two guys in Australia and give them the Celtic set and they can sit there at the half-time discussion about it and then no. just edit that into the, the feed. Just things yeah. like that. Just get a couple of Australian voices on commentary over there because you can watch the game and record. We could record the commentary track. No, nobody would like to hear it, but we could record one just put it over a game. It's no hard. 
things like that they could be they could be cuter doing you know absolutely the market they should be you know doing a in you know highlight packages a kill before every game getting them hyped up have a couple of japanese correspondents in japan recording it and then send it over a new time to be edited into a live broadcast absolutely you know you could be there could be a story down here where i am down south that affects something in glasgow and i'll just record it quickly send it over they put it in and it's as if i'm there live so there's there's three different things they can do but the the commentator's absolutely spot on it's right we need to be we need to be cute about these things you know even in america we've got a massive fan base in american we don't you know it's not just about going over there it's why not make me we, we many docs about Celtics in america and you know american celtic players stuff like that like there's there's so much they could be doing to just engage more but then that's a we don't do much to engage with us here in Scotland or, or in Britain, so that may be a bit, um, a bit adventurous to expect them to go to Japan. <laughs> it's ambitious, but you know what? Axon might have to go international and do it if it doesn't happen at the club. So there you go. Um, I've got my best Australian accent. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, we've got enough We've got enough players, ex-players, um, over in these places in Australia. I mean... Hey, he's there, isn't he? Still... Scott McDonald's over there and Paul McStay, absolutely. Japan, you've got Nakamura and, you know, so yeah, it is doable. It just fresh ideas, Brian, that's what we're talking about. But, you know, just to finish off, we've been talking about the uh, the inner workings of Celtic Football Club, the structure, the the future ownership of the club. Uh, there's a wee, a wee bit of football thrown in as well. No very much negativity, Brian. Uh, I can't see any complaints about negativity, so thanks, everybody, for getting involved. I'm looking at your comments as they come in. And uh, also, uh, I was reading the other day, and I love this. I love these kind of wee tits, or maybe I shouldn't love it. Uh, Olivia Giroud uh, has written his life story. Uh, and, you know, often what you get is all these wee bits of information about uh, what might have been. And he was talking about, Celtic's interest in signing him back in 2010. And, that, you know, the mind boggles as to what uh, Giroud uh, achieved after his transfer to Montpellier. So I was doing a wee bit of digging today and uh, the videographer within a state of mind studio, uh, Kelvin's got a much better knowledge of English football than I, I do. So how do we chat about it? So he signs for Montpellier on the 1st of July 2010 for £1.8 million, Brian. On the same day that we signed Gary Hooper from Scunthorpe for £2.61 million. And Gary Hooper, by the way, um, I thought was a great acquisition for Celtic. And uh, as a club, you know, he fitted our model because we doubled our money on him. So as a club, we were quite happy with him. And he scored and he was prolific. Um, But you still think what might have been. Giroud apparently wanted Celtic above all the other teams that were interested until he has a conversation with the Montpellier president who basically mocks Kilmarnock and says, you don't want to go and play Kilmarnock. Uh, and he mocks them. What was that? It wasn't Fergus McCann, was it? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, he, he scuppered the Ginola deal. Yeah, you're right. Another Frenchman, spot on. Uh, but I'm looking at that season. That was the season when we finished second. That was the first full season under Neil Lennon. He had taken over just before, obviously, after the, the demise of Tony Mowbray and he had seen us through the, the final eight or nine games of the season. Uh, and then he gets the, the, the job permanently. This is his first season. This is the season where we signed the likes of Gary, Gary Hooper and Charlie Mulgrew and Chad Uri, etc. Um, and I know that it's not as simple as, yeah, he would have had and enjoyed the same success at Celtic that he had at Montpellier. I know that because I've spoken about various players in the past, but their mind does boggle because that season we finished second, but the next season was the first of the nine. 
you know, and I, I do sometimes go into that Kevin Graham mode of, um, you know, alternative uh, realities and think, well, dearie, dearie me, for two million quid, we could have had uh, Olivier Giroud. The mind boggles. What other players spring to mind of uh, what might have been Brian? Players that Celtic were pretty close to signing and we didn't, and they've gone on. I mean, he went on to win a World Cup. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, I'm right. Did Ibrahimovic, did we know, have a look at him when he was... A couple of million quid, aye. Yeah, Ajax, wasn't he? Or before we went out. I remember Ibrahimovic was one. Um, had good to have another legendary Swede up front. Um, someone said Lewandowski, apparently when he was younger, we were, we looked at him. I don't know if that's true or no. So um, that, that might just be pub talk, but I'm sure Lewandowski and obviously Coleman as well, Seamus Coleman. We could go him for 50 grand. And um, you know, maybe they worry about a right back problems with it. But then we might never go big, big handsome Lustig. So swings and roundabouts, I suppose. Um, but it's amazing, and obviously a Scottish guy beginning, Stephen Fletcher, which is oh. probably still a, a, a uh, source and player. McCarthy. Let's not forget McCarthy. McCarthy. Aye, aye, you know, Scotland could have had McCarthy as a centre midfielder if they'd bumped up their ideas quicker. But Ireland got in there first, so. There's so many in there. You should make a programme and just do like a fancy 11 of, of what ifs. They are a couple of teams for a couple of years and see how it works. It is interesting because I know there is no exact science. I know that you don't, they, they don't always uh, come your way, etc. But the, the guys you've mentioned for a starting point should, uh, should even throw in uh, Ivan Tony into the mix as well. Uh, Shea Given was at the club. Shea Given was at the club, spoke about it recently. But there's a famous picture of Given. Uh, on a training ground with uh, Joe Corrigan, the goalkeeper coach, and it's Gordon Marshall, Pat Bonner, Stuart Kerr, Shea Given, and uh, Brad Friedel, who was in on trial at the time. We didn't sign him either. But for a few trialists that could have could have done a job, John Harks, whose son, of course, scored against Celtic for Dundee United the other week, um, we had him on trial. But we balked at the transfer fee. You know, you want to know how much it was, Brian? Ninety grand. 90 grand. He goes and signs for Sheffield Wednesday and he builds a, an impressive career. There has been so many. Of course, uh, Alfredo De Stefano uh, could have signed for Celtic. We signed, uh, Jimmy McGrory went over to sign him. The interpreter was John Cushley, who spoke fluent Spanish. Uh, he was a Celtic uh, centre-half, also a school teacher, uh, but he didn't sign. It goes on and on. It, oh, seriously, the mind boggles. But the one I love is the Ronaldinho story. So everybody knows that Ronaldinho was offered to St Mirren on trial, and I can't remember why they refused him. Um, they're probably regretting it now. But he was playing alongside Raphael Scheidt when we went over to, to watch him in a number of games. And you just think, you know, for the money that we spent on Raphael, five million quid reported, um, the next move Ronaldinho got from Gremio, I think it was, or was it? Aye, it was Gremio. It was two and a half million. He, he left for two and a half million quid. It's, it's yeah. startling. Just, uh, you know, it's... There's, there's so many slide those moments when we go to Stephen Pearson and Steve James McFadden as well. Remember that? Mm. And Piro done all right, but it's just it's just it's it's amazing what people were were thinking at the time. And okay, it's, it's the what ifs in it, but um, you, you just have to hope that some of the guys we say in the future are going to be as good as your run of the news. It, you know what? It is what ifs, and and uh, obviously Rivaldo uh, balked at the fact that he was offered a trial by Martin O'Neill. I always found that hilarious. Um, well. World Cup winner, I come on trial. And of course, uh, Della Pena and Danny, who we spoke about as well, uh, who were on trial and played against Livingston and Dundee 
Um, and De La Pena particularly went on to some great success. Danny never kicked another ball competitively ever again. He chopped the game to be a model and a jet set on a playboy. So uh, there you go. I just found that very interesting. You wonder how many other stories of that type are out there in relation to buys that we could have had. Uh, but it is a buy. It's a good buy from myself and also from uh, Brian Dednan. I won't be on that so I'm bulletin tomorrow, but it will go ahead as normal. You will be joined by a brand new host. You will recognise her face, but it's the first time they've hosted the show. And he will have a brand new contributor uh, to talk about all things Celtic. As I say, thanks everybody for your support. I really appreciated uh, your sending us down to London next week and uh, tomorrow, in fact. And hopefully we'll bring the trophies back, at least one. It would be lovely to bring it back uh, on behalf of everybody out there who supports a Celtic state of mind. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203-203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 
Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.